Welcome to Listen with Lewis. My name's Rob Stevens, and I'm the Member Services Manager at Lewis and today's host. And I'm here with Elizabeth Joan Kelly, who's the Library Web and Applications Development Administrator on the Lewis team. Today, Elizabeth and I are going to be talking about the Lewis website, which recently has gotten a very exciting makeover, a big revision, and a lot of work was put into making that revision by Elizabeth, and also by the feedback of the Lewis membership, of other stakeholders, such as people on the Board of Regents, and the Lewis team. And it's a really great change, I think, and looks really awesome. But today we're going to talk about some of the new things going on with the website, some of the advantages of the new website, and what prompted the changes. And so I'm very excited to welcome Elizabeth Joan Kelly to the podcast. Hi, Elizabeth. Great. Hi. Thanks for having me. So I guess the first question, the place we should just start is the origin story of this project. What prompted or spurred the changes to the website from the old website to the new one? What made you or others think that maybe it was time for a change? Yeah, so this was one of the first things that was brought up as a need when I was hired by Lewis in 2021. The previous website design, which I really liked, um, had been in place since 2017, and it served us really well. But the design could use a, a refresh, and the underlying architecture and the organization had gotten unwieldy over time as we added content but didn't reorganize what was already there. There was a lot of outdated info on the site general guidelines say that you should redesign a website every two to three years. So it was definitely time to, to take a look at it. Yeah. Uh, and there were also some accessibility features that were missing or that needed to be refined. And, and that's just, I think, a big focus of everybody. So we really wanted to make sure that we were doing that. Yeah, that's really awesome. Yeah, I mean, I enjoyed the old website, but I, I definitely think that it was time for an update and have enjoyed the look of the new website. So speaking of the old website, um, what was the process of getting feedback like for the old website and then as you were designing the new one? Yeah, sure. So one of the most important aspects of any website redesign project is, is stakeholder buy-in. So from the beginning, my goal was to make sure that as many people who would be affected by the redesign as possible were involved from the start. So there's an activity in web design called user personas, which is when you write out names and descriptions of a typical website user representing a particular user group that you're targeting. My predecessor, Jamie, had done that with the previous website, and so I still had notes from that, and then I did it again and kind of added some more user personas just to give myself a clear idea of who the audience might be and what their individual needs might be. Uh, and in that process, I identified five primary user groups, the Lewis team, the Lewis membership, our colleagues at the Board of Regents, staff and faculty at Lewis member schools who didn't work in the library but had some other role, um, and then external users. So um, from there, I started building small but useful activities into existing Lewis events to introduce the website redesign to all of these different kinds of users and start getting their thoughts. Uh, so we had a few of our regular weekly Lewis staff meetings where we looked at design inspiration and talked about what we liked and what we didn't like. And we started to brainstorm what the, the look of the website could be, especially the homepage of the website. 
Then we had a Lewis water cooler meeting where we did a card sorting exercise um, to find out what Lewis members used the most on the current website, what they thought was missing and how they would organize that information. And that really heavily influenced the architecture of the new site. Uh, I also sent out several surveys to different user groups and those surveys were especially important for getting feedback from like the Board of Regents uh, staff and non-library stakeholders who weren't necessarily in those other meetings that we held. And then when the beta version of the website was done, I sent out a survey to all of the other user groups, all of the user groups to get feedback on the site's functionality and design. So you mentioned the new architecture of the site, and that was one of the mm -hmm. things that you got some feedback on. So what were some of the important changes that was made to that architecture that people really brought out and were looking to be different in the new site? Mm -hmm. Yeah, there were certain things that people said that they used a lot that were hard to find on the existing site, or maybe they weren't there at all. So making sure that there were links on the main site for some of those really heavily used things, some of which are external to like the actual Lewis website, but things like the task portal, consortium manager, those were two big ones that people said that they really needed to be able to get to easily. And then there was some stuff that was kind of buried on the site, especially related to things that members used frequently. And through these exercises we did, people had grouped them all together, but they still were hard to find. Um, and so breaking those out so that now there's a member resources section on the website, which is in the top level navigation. So that way people can figure out very quickly, they can see a list of all the libraries, see um, what Lewis services their library in particular uses, get to the directory so they can find out who is working at which library. The Lewis Community Jobs Board was something that people mentioned, um, really wanting to be able to get to easily so they could see who was hiring in the state. All of those things we really brought to the forefront. So architecture and accessibility are two of the words that I'm hearing you talk about as kind of some of the primary focuses of the redesign. Mm -hmm. What Were there other areas that were focuses of the redesign? I would say those two plus just the look and feel of the site. We already had a site that was responsive, meaning that it'll work on different devices. So if you're on your desktop versus on a mobile phone, we use LibGuide CMS for the website, and so that's already somewhat built in there. But there were some things on the old site that didn't work so well on smaller screens. And so making sure this time around that no matter what type of device you were using, you were going to get a similar experience. I think those were the big things. Yeah, just kind of the visual look. We changed the colors up a little bit from what was on the old site, started using more icons instead of photos before we were using like public domain, creative commons photos, trying to use icons that really like speak to what that section of the website does. And then, yeah, the accessibility and the architecture. So let's talk about accessibility. We talked about architecture a little bit. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about accessibility a little bit. I, I feel like there's been both in the library world, but just in you know the general world, a big movement to make things more accessible, especially in web design. But I'm wondering what changes we made to our site that made it more accessible and what does that work actually look like? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I'll, I'll do the what does the work look like first and then talk about what those changes were, I think. So I used two primary tools to check the site for accessibility. I had done some of this on the old site when I first started, fixed some low-hanging fruit, um, but there were definitely more things to do. So this time as I was building the site, I was doing those checks. And then once everything was kind of ready to go, I, I checked everything one more time. And so the two tools that I used, one is called the WAVE Web Accessibility Evaluation Tool. And you can manually check one page on a website at a time. 
So it is a little painstaking if you're checking an entire website, but it's handy because what it lets you do is you look at the web page that you're checking and then it shows you exactly on the page where there is an issue. Then I also used a tool called Pally. It's P-A and then the number one twice and then Y. It's a free open source software that can be used with Python scripting to do automated testing. So this way, if I want to check the whole site all at once, instead of just doing one web page at a time, I can do it that way. And they also, they find different errors and they run in different ways. So it's nice to have both options available to try and make sure I'm catching as many issues as possible. So then for the changes I made, the type of stuff that they found, it was a lot of tiny errors having to do with things on the site, how they were labeled. So this makes a big difference for users who are navigating the site using assistive technology. It's not necessarily something that we notice if we're just glancing at the website, but if you've got a button or a media embed and it's not labeled correctly, then a user might accidentally skip over it or vice versa. They might want to skip over it and not be able to because of how it's labeled. And then just little things like having an image and text separately linking to the same URL. It's better for accessibility to just have that link happen once uh, by combining the image and the text into one tag. I also made the menu headings navigable with a keyboard for users who don't have a mouse. Uh, you did a great learning with Lewis presentation last year about using keyboard shortcuts, and you talked about how much time could be saved by just using the keyboard, but also how difficult that can be sometimes um, to try and do all of your daily work without using a mouse. So it's an important consideration for accessibility because you just never know what hardware somebody might have access to. Sure. I was pretty far along in the redesign when I got to that point and realized that needed to be done. I was actually taking the Lewis Electronic Resources Administrator Advanced Training, and there was a video in there about vendor website accessibility that talked about needing to be able to navigate the menu with a keyboard. So I was glad that I went through that training before the redesign was done so I can make sure that was incorporated. So for you personally, what did you find most interesting or compelling as you were going through looking in the website and doing this redesign? What part of the work really kind of gets you excited? I really like thinking about organization of information. I think that's part of the reason I became a librarian. So for me, thinking about how to organize the different areas of the website to make them easy to use. And then when we did the card sorting activities, both with the Lewis team and with the membership, it's so interesting to me to see how others think about that same thing. You can see how two different people can have completely different, but completely relevant ways of arranging the same information. So I really enjoyed that part of it. So what are some of the new features on the site that might get people excited? I know that for me, one of the things I've really enjoyed looking at, and I'm just going to plug, is the Meet the Team, Meet the Lewis Team page, which if you're interested in who the Lewis Team is and some fun facts about us and what we do in our job, we did a survey and had each of the members of the Lewis Team answer that survey and then I really like the way that Elizabeth has put that on the site where people answer those questions. That's just a little plug for that specific part. And to find that, you know, you would on the site, you would go to home and then under the about tab, there's about Lewis and then under that meet the Lewis team. I really enjoyed that. There's several other features that I've enjoyed, but can you talk to us about some of those new features that you've added? Sure. Yeah. And that's actually one of my favorite features too. I think that came out really nicely and it, it does a good job, I think, of, of letting everybody know both what we do, but also a little bit about us personally, which is, is helpful, I think. Some of the other things I really like is that the new site has more of a focus on data and like quick information bites. So one of the first things we did was in a Lewis team meeting, we looked at other websites. A lot of them were other consortia sites to get some design inspiration. One of the ones that I really liked was Polney, the private academic 
Library Network of Indiana. So they're another statewide consortia. They have all of these quick facts right at the top of their homepage that just like right off the bat give you a good idea of who they are and what kind of work that they do. So we did something similar on our homepage now, and then the goal is to eventually start having something like that for each section of the site. There's also a new section under services for assessment. So before we had some dashboards and some information about different statistics or data for the membership, but it was scattered in different places around the site. Now it's all in one place, so it's really easy to find. Awesome. And what else would you like to share about the website since we have you here? Well, just I would like to say thank you to everybody who helped because doing a website redesign project really needs to be collaborative for it to be successful. And so I'm really glad that the Lewis team, the membership, the Board of Regents, the rest of our users were willing to pitch in their time and knowledge to make it a success. And hopefully now it, it, it's a website that's useful for everybody. I'm really happy with how it turned out. I've gotten some good feedback and hopefully it won't be another six years before we do this again. Well, if you're interested in taking a look at the Lewis website, you can visit lewislibraries.org and go ahead and click around. And if you have any questions or compliments or comments about the site, make sure to send them to Elizabeth Joan Kelly. And she is on top of things, I can attest, and (laughs) makes very fast changes when they need to be made. But she's done excellent work. Thank you so much for talking about the website here with me today. Yeah, thank you. So not only did I bring Elizabeth here today to talk about her great work on the website, we're also going to do one of our fun segments at the end here called Pitch Your Passion, where I ask the guest to talk about something they are passionate about, usually outside of libraries, although often I find that these interests inform our interest in librarianship. So what is something that you're passionate about that you're going to talk to us about today, Elizabeth? Well, I am also, in addition to being very passionate about libraries, I'm passionate about music. Um, In my past life, before I became a librarian, I studied music, mostly classical. I'm a pianist, although I'm kind of a lapsed pianist. I haven't actually sat down at a keyboard in a while, Um, but I still write music and record music, mostly electronic music, um, as myself, Elizabeth Joan Kelly. I also do work with my husband. He's a writer and a musician, and together we put out music as Orca Attack. So that's something that we really enjoy doing. And I also have a every other month radio show on a French internet radio station. The radio station is called Camp Radio, and my radio show is called Electro Junkyard. And that is electronic music, all indie music, so mostly, for the most part, probably not stuff that your average person is coming across, but it's a lot of fun kind of keeps me on my toes listening to a lot of different stuff and and just sharing what I like. Yeah, you gave me a lot to work with here. So a couple of follow-up questions. Okay, so tell us about Electro Junk a little bit. Is this like an hour-long program that you do? And how did you get involved with this? Yeah, it's an hour long. And I they, they reached out to me and asked if I would be interested in a show. I think because when I am recording music and putting it out myself. Um, I spend a lot of time promoting it. And so I email people, you know, who have radio shows or podcasts or blogs and say, here's my music. Would you take a listen? Um, So I think what had happened is I had sent it to some people at that particular station who already had shows and asked them to play my music. And somehow I got on a list of like interested parties. And so the, (laughs) the station manager emailed me and said, would you like a show? I said, that sounds like fun. How often would I have to do it? He said, however often you want. And so I said, every other month sounds about like what I can handle. Uh, so, so yeah, I just, every other month, I, I spend a couple hours on the weekend listening to stuff, kind of sequencing it. It's a pre-recorded show. So I, it's not me sitting there and like live introducing things. Um, I, I pre-record it and then 
it, it gets played on uh, Saturdays, usually at 12 o'clock. Their time zones are different, so their daylight savings isn't always the same as ours. But yeah, usually right. it's 12 o'clock on a Saturday. That's amazing. Yeah. That's so cool. And I I can relate to being a lapsed pianist, although I do <laughs> see that you have keyboards in the background there. I do. Um, and I know that you and Dave do some amount of recording together, mm -hmm. and you release your things in unusual ways, like on, was there a cassette or like a, yeah, a vinyl recently? We, we haven't done any vinyl yet, but yeah, um, we've done several cassette releases there is a really active user community out there a listener community i guess of people who still really love the the art of the cassette tape and so we've been fortunate to be asked by a couple of really small independent cassette la uh, labels mostly <laughs> sure. european um to to put releases together and so when we do that we haven't done any of those ourselves but when we do that we you know write and record all of the music and then they're the ones who put it on cassette and handle the the distribution which is really nice that's awesome yeah and what a fun way to spend time with your spouse that's yeah so much, that's so cool well thank you so much for sharing and can we if we google elizabeth joan kelly can we find your music out there you should be able to yeah elizabethjoankelly.com is my website um we've got stuff on Bandcamp as well so those are those are the best places to find us Awesome. Well, thanks so much for sharing your passion. And thanks to everyone who tuned in to listen with Lewis today. I appreciate you listening with us. And we'll be back in two weeks with our next episode.